You know, the folks over at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take a lot of credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially all of our DNVR listeners who switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. And now when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. No, nope, it's still broken. Go ahead. <laughs> the CBD coffee is infused with, well, CBD. Shocking. CBG, I... It can help with chronic headaches, joint pains. What other ailments has it helped you get over? Rudo? So it's not really an ailment, but it is still coffee at the end of the day. So yeah. it helps me with the ailment of sleepy mornings. Yes, true. <laughs> and it you don't get jitters too, because mm-hmm. I will. In fact, I just had some before we went on air. A little cold brew action. And I, I don't get jittery if I have like four or five or six or seven. Look, sometimes you got to do that to get by, but I don't get the jitters. And I, and I appreciate that. If you need to get in on that action, head over to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use promo code DNVR25 for 25% off your first purchase. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today is the man with the avalanche, Amber Ale. He covers the avalanche for DNVR Avalanche here and he's gonna he's gonna teach us a couple of things nathan rudolph rudolph what's going on buddy i don't know if i'm gonna teach you anything but uh hopefully set you up for what might be the worst case scenario for baseball potentially here if you're <laughs> if you're watching this live again if you're listening to this as a as a podcast you can go and, and enjoy rudo's scruffy beard see what he's got going he's ready for playoff hockey real early on and you saw the the hockey intro that we had and we're gonna be talking hockey but no this is still the baseball this is still the rockies podcast we just need to figure out what can we learn from the 2004 2005 nhl lockout and subsequent cancelization of the season yep easy i'm I'm trying to talk you off the ledge here (laughs) uh while also pushing you there to a degree but maybe there's some things we can learn from the NHL, how is it similar? How is it different? What happened after it? I think that might be the most similar thing we can take away. What changes were made in the NHL yep. because of the lockout and maybe what MLB can do after this lockout, depending on how much we end up losing. So really, Rudo, t- take us to the beginning. Like, what, what precipitated this lockout? How did hockey get to a state in which the owners, at least— decided they needed to force a lockout because again, a lockout is owner driven. It's not the players. It's the one side, a work stoppage means nobody's working. We're not pointing any fingers. It's just, no one's working. A strike is the players lock out the league. Yes. (laughs) Players strike owners lock out. How did, how did the NHL get to that point? So honestly, I think it's a story that a lot of baseball fans are going to resonate with uh, in the Late 90s, early 2000s, player salaries were spiraling out of control. Um, The league genuinely could not keep up with the player salaries at the time. The league, there's some debate about how much money the league was losing a year, but it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, And the bigger problem is the league's revenue, about 75% of it was going to player salaries. And it was just not sustainable for the league. It also created a massive, massive problem for small market teams where the haves could just spend as much money as they wanted, buy up all the good players and leave basically nothing for the for the small markets. So the owners, especially the owners of the poorer teams, 
basically said this isn't sustainable. And the league, the league as a whole, even the league office is like, look, we have teams that are bordering on bankruptcy every couple of years because the league is so top heavy and the players are getting paid so much in relation to how much the league is making that it was just not sustainable from the owner's side of things. Now, it's never easy to side with billionaire owners that they're saying <laughs> they're losing too much money. But at the same time, things were genuinely spiraling out of control. I, I, it's a lot like before the NFL put limits on salaries for rookies because you'd sign a first round pick quarterback and they'd be like, oh, I want $40 million a year. And it's like these insane contracts are going out to players that you don't even know if they're going to play. So it went a little bit too far at the time. And eventually the league said, this is just not a sustainable product for us. So it came down to a lockout where the league needed more financial certainty for their teams. And obviously the players didn't want that. Yeah. One of the themes I think that's going to go through this episode is this idea that you know, again, true for baseball, as it was for hockey, that it's not just the owners versus the players. Yep. It really is a three-way dance. Yep. It's the small market teams versus the large market teams versus the players. And yeah, that does mean two-thirds of that scenario are, are on the same side. They're the owners. But there is that battle that goes in between the small market and the large market that makes it hard for the players to really get their footing in. And the thing that I, I found to be true you know, I don't know that it's necessarily true in baseball. The owners do complain about it when it comes to the star contracts that they have to give out in the long-term deals. And, I mean, you look at a guy like Albert Pujols and, you know, he's more of a DH than anything and, and what he's contributing. You're basically you're paying for the past rather than paying for the present. Yep. But in the NHL, what was very true at the time, as you said, about all of the revenue that was being spent on players – the owners just couldn't resist and hold back. And they, they couldn't stop themselves from giving out these big deals, yep. even though they didn't have the money, whether it was small market yep. or large market, they couldn't resist. Yeah. It, and, uh, you know, it was a different time in the league. Then you were still talking about you could straight up trade cash for an NHL player. It didn't have to be a team asset of anything. And it, it got into this weird scenario where you, if you wanted to be a competitive hockey team, if you wanted to make money as a hockey team, you had to get through such a big financial barrier at the beginning by going out and paying for these big name players to draw attention. Because again, if you don't know this about hockey, it is not the television driven market that that baseball is especially the big teams in baseball hockey has always been a very much gate driven league and they rely on that type of money to get there so you have to get fans in the building and if you didn't have those superstar names people just didn't show up yeah that is uh that obviously was a problem for then you know for a lot of the some of the research that I uh, that I read up on to try to fill in the blanks of I don't remember what happened with this I do remember that was the idea that you know the, the lockout was going to be coming like yep. they, they knew a year oh, out yeah. that was probably everyone knew happen. it was coming everyone knew when the CBA was expiring and everyone knew where the league stood on it right. and at the time the players union was very very staunch on their stance of specifically not wanting a salary cap. So. Yeah, I, th I think in baseball, some people had, had speculated that maybe it would happen, maybe not. I, I frankly did worry a lot when 
in 2020, the pandemic year, the players were ready to come back a lot sooner than the owners were. And they had agreed to kind of postpone it. And then the players were like, let's go. And the owners just stalled and stalled because they realized, hey, there's going to be nobody in the ballpark. So let's just go ahead and, and take our time and yep. try to have the shortest season possible. So the players were pretty pissed. And then when we we don't have you know most of our nation and, and the world uh, vaccinated in the beginning of the 2021 season, the owners are like, okay, well, hey, we're going to have these buildings that we can't fill to capacity, so let's delay the start. And the player, player said, no, 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 you didn't do that last year for us yeah. to pay our salaries. And so right there, that was a lot of it in a nutshell. And said, the owners are not going to forget that. And, you know, I, I think it was somewhat predictable that we could have ended up in this place. I just don't know that we had hope for that. The interesting thing, too, that, uh, certainly is different than with between you know the players association for MLB and the NHL players association they they didn't seem to be maybe well organized is, is that not. the right term they were not at all there, yeah. there was embezzlement going on with the previous guy before <laughs> Bob Goodenow yeah uh Alan Eagleson and FBI investigated and so it was kind of an organization that really did not have their poop in a group to say I, it nicely I would argue even throughout the lockout they they didn't have it together. Um, there was actually sweeping change in the NHL Players Association after they got the lockout sorted out because there was a lot of dislike of the leadership there. So, yes, the NHL Players Association, actually, at the time, they did a poll, and I think it was 52% of hockey fans actually blamed the players for the lockout over the, um, over the owners. So Yeah, and right now, I think... I, I don't know how much owners and players are, are sharing the blame, but I, I think a lot of baseball fans and sports fans do understand the idea that, like, no, the the owners are, are getting a, a large chunk of some, and so yeah. they're going to be on the player side in this, which which is good to see. But the NHL is, is certainly no stranger. That that was another interesting wrinkle in all this of, of what's certainly what was different between the NHL lockout in 0405 and what's going on in MLB is that the NHL had kind of a, huge history of these kind of like strikes and lockouts. I mean, baseball's had their little bits here and there, but in the NHL, they even had like a referee strike oh, yeah. for a period of time. And it's like, what, what is it about hockey that lends itself to the, these issues between management and the players? Honestly, it's the fact that hockey is the smallest revenue stream of the big four. Yeah. They have significantly tighter financials, than any of the other major sports leagues in the United States and Canada. Um, and that leads to, one, owners running into a lot more troubles when it comes to financial situations. But two, more importantly, when you talk about things like losing an entire season, it's not nearly as big of a hit to an organization like the NHL than it would be to MLB and all of its uh, higher-end players at the very least. Head on down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. Get your member-sized beer. Get your hard seltzer, Breckenridge Brew, Avalanche Ale. That's what my man Rudo's got. Those are delicious, aren't they? Oh, I love them. I, I'm so happy that they sponsor us because I genuinely <laughs> love all of their beers. It's the easiest sponsor in the world for me to sell because I just drink their beer on shows and it, everybody wins. You would you sneak that into your backpack actively if we didn't have that. That's I, how much you love them. After the show, I'm going in the back and I'm taking a case home. Like, there's no doubt about it. I will turn it. my back on that so I, I can't be uh, held up in a court of law there with that. 
You get your member size beer. You get your discounts on all kinds of gear. 50 cents now for your first month at the DNVR.com. And if you get an annual membership, you actually get a free shirt from DNVRlocker.com. That could be an Av shirt, Rockies, even the new Rapids tee, which is on fire. I think we still have them in stock here. Do you know, have we sold out yet? We still have plenty. All right, excellent. Yeah, but they're going like hotcakes. I think we ordered a lot of extra of those to make sure that didn't happen because that is just such a fire t-shirt. Yeah, so many great benefits. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill dunk type of good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team. Get 150 in free bets. If that team wins, it's really that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. If you haven't been able to watch Nuggets and Avalanche games, guess what? It's no longer a problem because Avaca TV is shifting the paradigm for TV delivery. Yes, it's less expensive and more efficient while offering a superior picture than those legacy providers. They've got the local networks like Altitude Sports with other national channels being added to the lineup. You can get it in Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, as well as Boise, Twin Falls, Idaho even. In Denver though, Ivaca TV uses next-gen broadcast technology, which allows for a vibrant picture quality and all you got to do is use their antenna and Avaca smart receiver. And customers in Denver area can get next-gen broadcasts on ABC, NBC, Fox, and CW. But more importantly, did I mention Ivaca TV has altitude sports? Exactly. Look, it makes it real easy to follow the Colorado teams you love, including the Nuggets, Avalanche, even Rapids, Mammoth. Plus, you're going to get some coverage for Rams, Denver Pioneers, and baseball too. How to sign up for Ivaca TV? All you got to do is go to avaca.tv slash dnvr. Here's the deal. No contracts, no hidden fees. It's only $25 per month plus a receiver. And the price for you gets locked in for two years. That's avaca.tv slash dnvr. Nuggets, Avs, baseball coming too. Get in on the action now. We lost an entire season there. And, you know, there's so many interesting wrinkles that came out in the middle of the lockout there with the NHL, the yep. the back and forth. I found it was interesting that, you know, the owners, you know, not doing a good job in in the PR department. I think you had Thrasher's owner, Steve Belkin, was fined what a quarter of a million dollars for saying, hey, we're gonna use replacement players. It's like they just weren't all on the same page. Yep. It it was a very messy situation on on both sides, honestly. No one was on the same page on on the owner side or on the player's side. Uh it obviously it was a big mess. It's the only season of any major sport to date to cancel an entire season. Um, if you're looking for a positive, I seriously doubt baseball will get to that level. Uh, the NHL shouldn't have even gotten to that level. But again, I, I really think both sides of the lockout mismanaged the conversation pretty badly. So 
I would be shocked if, if baseball comes close to the actual year of the lockout itself for the NHL. I don't think baseball will handle it nearly that badly. If we didn't just have that pandemic shortened season where it was 60 games, yeah, then I, I don't necessarily know what that would do, but that provides such an interesting wrinkle to say, hey, you know what? We could start the season up in late July as crazy. So the half yep. the season's already over and you're going to start? Well, we did it two years ago. So I think in a, in a way that, that could be a benefit, but that could also you know lead both sides into this conversation that says, no, we got more time. We've got more time. And, and, and that wasn't the case with the NHL, where eventually, I think it was maybe in the middle of February. Yeah. First had two weeks of February. That was it. Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, basically said, get a deal done by this date or we're done. And they really probably should have gotten a deal done. They had a lot of talks. They were close enough, but they didn't. And that left to a canceled season. And it it doesn't sound like it now, but I'm actually pretty positive on the results that came out of this. I'm sure we'll get to that. But the canceled season itself was worst case scenario for the NHL in the immediate. And as much as, you know, for baseball, Rob Manfred, you know, what he tries to do in the PR front, you know, Bettman straight up said when, you know, I think the players said, what, maybe $52 million cap, Bettman offered 42.5 and said, this is our good offer. If you turn it down, it, it will not get better. And he it wasn't kidding. Like, that yep. was legit and really broke the union after that, after that point. Yep. And so that, again, that will be something interesting to see in the baseball side. What does Rob Manfred say? And will the owners actually back it up? Because I, I think they are dead serious when it, when it comes to this. Not killing a season, but I, I don't think they are playing around either in any way. And they don't want to give up even an inch. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, when the NHL, the 0405 lockout at least got sorted out, the NHL Players Association pretty much lost on nearly every front. Um, the The conversation you're talking about is they went back and forth. Uh, the, near the end, the NHL offered 40 million salary. Uh, the NHL Players Association wanted 52. The NHL came up to 42 and a half with some bonuses and things. And the NHL Players Association came down to 49. And they never really got close enough to actually have a conversation about it which uh, there's a lot involved there with good now and, and the unwillingness to budge. It was good now against Bettman. Like that was another thing. It was these two people against each other. And I don't think we have that in baseball. I think there was a period of time in which Tony Clark, uh, who's, who's the head of the players association, former player himself, you know, was at the front of it. But I think he's kind of backed off a little bit and now it's not a personal thing. I mean, they do have their, fair share of representatives with Dan Hallam on the MLB side and on the players association, uh, Bruce Meyer. And so those have kind of been the two guys that are, that are going to, you know, maybe butt heads. But we've also heard last week that the two of them had like a little private meeting away from the group. So there's not the animosity of like, sure. it's you versus me or my reputation versus your reputation. Like it was there with, with good now and Bettman. Yeah. I agreed. And like I mentioned, after everything got sorted out, good now, like literally six days later, they voted him out of the Players Association. So it did not end well for him on, on that front. And I, I do think just on a general level, the MLB's Player Association is way, way better, more organized, more understanding of what the situation is than the NHL Players Association was at all. So. Yeah. 
And I mean, MLB has long been regarded as having the strongest union, which is strange when you consider the fact, well, maybe it's not strange, but like, you know, baseball is the only sport that doesn't have that hard salary cap. Right. And well, and not to dredge up bad things about baseball, but baseball has a history of questionable free agency practices dating like all the way back to the seventies here we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. they understand the game a little bit better than most, I think, and why it's so important to have a unified front like a players union and things like that. So I think it helps them a lot. Yeah, in the early 80s, we had collusion amongst uh, Major League Baseball's then 26 teams where they all decided like, look, you, we're not going to touch your free agents. So you can keep your free agents, but lowball them so you can get them to sign lower deals. Yeah. Eventually they lost in court and had to pay to the Players Association. And I don't, you know, I haven't, I'm almost surprised I haven't heard that word collusion more in, since the last CBA, but we have seen the average contract go down by nearly half a million dollars. It's gone down like almost like, you know, a, a third, like 33%. Yeah. Uh, it's decreased since the last CBA. So, you know, the owners have, you know, gained an advantage there in that. And you're right. The players are aware of this. I know a lot of, um, I'm drawing a blank right now as to what of the licensing. I think a lot of the licensing contracts that they got, some of the money that they've been receiving over the last few years, they put it away for a war chest for exactly this, knowing, hey, here's what's coming. Yep. And I don't know if the NHL players did that exactly. So, again, they were caught off guard. They didn't want the salary cap. Then they gave in. They said, okay, yeah. we'll have it, but at 52 and a half mm-hmm. mil. And so, again, right, they, they didn't have that power. They didn't understand what was going on. You also had players going over – to Europe, right? Vincent yep. LeCavalier had a $1.5 million deal, I think, with a Russian team. So I actually don't hate this. I, I think this is a great move for the players that if the league you're in has a lockout that actually extends into the regular season, go play baseball, hockey, whatever, where you can, while you can. Everyone understood, and this happened again in the second, in the lockout in the 2010s for the NHL, where every team understood. You go overseas and you say, I, I have this contract with you, I will play with you, but I have an out clause the second our stuff gets decided where I'm gone and I'm back to the, the MLB or the NHL or whatever. And I honestly, for the NHL, this was a huge win. They got all these players in front of fans in Europe, in front of fans that don't get to see these guys in person ever. And it brought over a lot of fans of the NHL when they came back. So I actually think it was a huge positive for the players to do something like that. Did, did, it, did it grow the game more over in Europe? Not that it needed that help. But yeah. I imagine it brought a little bit more attention on the NHL in, in countries like that, it, perhaps. It made European t- countries understand how much better that league was than their local whatever. You have the Liga in Finland or less so in the KHL because Russia, USA, don't have to get into that. Uh, but Switzerland, Sweden, uh, Finland, all of those countries that have their own leagues that you know, they can go see them in person. That's their league. They really love those leagues. But then you get to see all these NHL players come over and everyone goes, oh, these guys are really, really good. And all of a sudden they start getting pulled over to the NHL because they understand just how high quality of a product that is that I understand baseball doesn't need to really globalize their game that much. They already get plenty of that from, you know, specifically the sea region japan and korea everywhere but that's it they get they get south america some too but yeah but but there's not even that infrastructure in place so on one element you go that would actually be a great benefit to the game almost you know that's what 
MLB or, or baseball is, is trying to do with the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Brought in, but there's not that infrastructure. There's not a, really a, a pro league in Germany sure. where Trevor Story goes, hey, you know what? I know I'm supposed to be maybe getting paid. 15 to 20 million dollars this year as part of a you know 150 million dollar deal but i'm gonna go make eight million dollars in germany right that he can't do that 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 doesn't exist because germany doesn't have a league sure. like that that brings in that kind of revenue but then you say well could those players go over to japan and south korea the answer ultimately is no now in 94 95 after the players' strike, yeah. Julio Franco was really the only player of any note that went over to play in Japan. Go on his baseball reference page. You see what <laughs> he did in 94, and you see what he did in 96. <laughs> but 95, didn't play an MLB at all because yeah. he kind of could read the writing on the wall and said, this could get ugly. I'm going to go take the guaranteed payday. Yeah. You know, he still probably would have fared better in MLB, but there was an uncertainty. I think what's happened, and you know, I don't know how much of this is since the last CBA. Is it coincidental or not, but those teams in Japan and, and South Korea in particular, even in, uh, in Taiwan and the Chinese Professional Baseball League, they have rules in place that, that limit the amount of foreign, foreign players, players that they can sure. have. Yeah. Also, I don't really think that they could really even afford to pay someone. I imagine even a top star like a Carlos Correa, if a team tried to just like break the books and get all kinds of special exemptions maybe six million dollars and that that that's absurd See, that's, maybe and that's nothing right I, I i hear you and maybe that's a benefit of the nhl being a smaller revenue league because yeah. the players are going over there for in some cases under a million dollars they're signing contracts for with these teams so it's not these outrageous prices that they're expecting but and obviously like from the player's side sucks they're not getting paid the contract right. that they should be getting paid but I'm sure a lot of these guys also just want to be playing baseball. So yeah, no, they they absolutely do, and 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 that's their craft, that's their sport. And again, that that only works for the guys that are free agents. It's not Ryan McMahon. He his his rights are controlled, so I I don't even think he'd be able to do something like that. So I don't know the rules in baseball with hockey. Didn't matter if you had a contract. Because look, uh, Lecavalier had one at that yeah, time. So. You could just go over and. Basically, well, as long as <laughs> as long as there was a clause in the European contract that they had that as soon as the NHL is back, they have to come back. They could do whatever they wanted. Interesting. Did that exist before this most recent lockout? Like, I'm wondering when when did that first start? Um, who, who pushed that, or has that just been an accepted practice? It. I think it's just kind of accepted in hockey. At least you know I. I don't have knowledge going back to the 80s right. and, and things like that. But for my entire life, that was just kind of accepted where it's like, if the NHL is locked out, you're not getting paid your contracts. Your contract is cannot hold you to anything until the NHL is actually a, an active league again. All right. So if we get to the point in which things are about to be resolved or at least yep. in the middle of them canceling the season... In and this, I think, is what could happen in MLB if we lose the season, or if there's just a really extended lockout. Is fans in Canada turn to the CFL? Yep. They got desperate enough that they started like an American style <laughs> football, and poker. Poker became huge. Yeah, poker blew up, and apparently that they even call it refer to it as a sport. Like I guess poker's a sport, but po poker did blow up around that time. Daniel Negreanu's a legend up there. All right. <laughs> Well, I think it also blew up too in America. It did. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. World Series of Poker was popping off. At that oh, that point. was on ESPN, yeah. ESPN two, yep. around the clock. So, like people, that's the other thing that MLB needs to realize is that people will find something else. You go, well, NFL's over, and 
you know, uh, hockey will be over NBA. And so you go, well, people really turn to MLS. Yeah. So a lot more eyes will turn to that. Yep. And there will be other things that will fill people's time. It's, it's what happened during the pandemic and people realize. And so actually there was this amazing quote by uh, hall of fame goalie, Ken Dryden, who at that time was the minister of social development in Canada. He yep. said, you never want to give a fan a chance to find out whether it was a passion or habit. <laughs> And that is something that should terrify athletes, owners, all throughout the game. And that was tested, I think, during the pandemic in many ways. Is it a passion or is it just a habit? And baseball might find out that there's a lot of people who watch their sport because they're sports fans and maybe not truly baseball fanatics. And therefore, it's not a passion. It's a habit. It's. I think it'll be an interesting situation because I can tell you with hockey, once they sort it out, all those dudes who said they weren't coming back, every single one came back. Every single fan who said, I'm swearing off hockey. That's true. They, most of them were back day one. <laughs> like I, I mean like 80, 90% of fans were back day one when the lockout ended. So certainly for hockey, they have a very diehard fan base, and it was somewhat inevitable, but if if baseball believes they have a fan base that is dedicated like that, I don't think they'll be afraid of a lockout. I still think they'd be very afraid of losing a season. I, it's just what people remember from the lockout is that the NHL lost a season. They don't remember right. all the positives that have come out of it. They remember that the NHL messed it up so bad. They lost an entire season of hockey. So it's a bad look. It's a, it's weird <laughs> to say and then we'll, we'll get to the positives too. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that here in, this, in the final segment. But it is crazy to look back because I'm thinking too about little baby Rudo with his little baby beard, <laughs> you know, 17 years ago of like, oh, what, what did you do? And like, oh, is it just the worst year of your life? And like, it's almost like a, it's a blip on your radar. It's crazy to say when you're in it, it's like the pandemic. Once we yeah. officially get out of it, or even now you might feel like we're out of it in so many ways. You go, yeah, it was, it was this the time. But it's almost a blip in the grand scheme of things, which, again, is scary to think about because the NHL ended up in somewhat of a better place because of the loss of the season. And you hope MLB doesn't, or the owners at least, don't look at it in that way. And we've got a long way to go because, look, they're meeting right now in Jupiter, Florida, not Jupiter, the planet. But they're meeting in Florida right now to try to work this out. So there's still plenty of hope that this season can even start on time. But it's just fascinating to think of the overlap and what could happen from the NHL in 2004-05 to what's going on at MLB now. Yeah, and genuinely, I think the best case scenario is you can get all the good things to happen and not lose the season. You can have both if both sides are willing to work together and actually come to a good conclusion. And I got to tell you, I think... MLB players are a lot more motivated to get it done than NHL players were at the time. So you'll have to see, right? Obviously both sides are going to have to make concessions and, and come to some sort of middle ground. But again, I, the NHL messed up that lockout so badly on so many fronts that I don't think the MLB will, will get anywhere close to it being that bad. Your Colorado rugby team is back again as the American Raptors, of course. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com to get your free tickets. Yes, that's right, free. And to stream some of their games. You want to get in on the action now because 
coming up right here. We're, we're in the thick of it. The Super Rugby. Yes, you don't know what that is, and that's okay. I don't expect you to either. I didn't know what it was until I started doing these ad reads myself. But Colton Strickler has actually helped talk me through it. Because on the DNVR Rugby podcast, he has these one-on-one rugby breakdowns. He has exclusive interviews with athletes and coaches on the AmericanRaptors.com, the national team as well. It's athletes from the highest levels of their respective sport, football, basketball, wrestling, track and field, so much more. You got to check it out. And again, once the football season's over, it becomes hard to find something fun to bet on. But the Super Rugby, you're going to win out if you listen to Colton and download that DNVR Rugby podcast. Also, check out AmericanRaptors.com to score those free tickets, all right? And score yourself a nice discount, like, you know, 25%. Yeah, you're going to get that with Escape Artist and their Relief and Recovery Creams. In fact, the highest awarded topical relief and recovery cream in Colorado. They prioritize quality, consistency, and they prioritize not ruining your clothes. Yes, it's not greasy. It's not going to stain anything, even your sheets. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about finding it all over the state because they've got 10 of these light shade dispensaries in the Denver metro area. Actually, passed one the other day and I didn't realize how close it was to the DNVR bar in the corner of Colfax in New York. And you know what? I might not be a connoisseur. I might be new into the game, but they've got everything from all ends of the spectrum, whether you need your cannabis concentrates, top shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more, or even if, again, you're just dabbling in it. Now, podcast listeners, as I said, you can get 25% off non-sale items. All you got to do is use code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for your pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. All right. So this deal ended up finally going down. And there was some fallout, right? Like we're talking 310 days, longest work stoppage of all time. First time there's no Stanley Cup since 1919. When there was, you know, a pandemic, which is crazy because that'll never happen. Oh, wait. Yeah, but they awarded the cup this time. (laughs) They did, yeah. Um, And so they changed some of the rules. So, you know, we can get to any the salary cap and all that, but they also just changed how the game was played. Like, they instituted these things to say, look, we we need to get some more fans back. And I think, that again, that's something that baseball's been plagued with a little bit is this idea that it's kind of an old-timey game and it's run by old timers and the old timers are the one buying the tickets and stuff. And you got to stay young and stay fresh. And I love my baseball and I'm a historian. And so I don't want it to be messed with in a general sense, but you know what? Tweak the rules, man. That's fine. If you want to ban the shift to, you know, increase batting average and encourage more balls in play, do that. Whatever you, whatever you need to do in that, that capacity is fine. It needs, should be on the table. That's how the NFL stays relevant. And what the NHL did was it stayed relevant by tweaking some of its rules to increase scoring because scoring was down almost like 50%. It was like, what, seven goals a game to like three because yeah. you had goalkeepers <laughs> with gigantic pads. You you had offsides in all kinds of different ways. Like Break it down how the NHL capitalized on saying, hey, you know what? We're going to give people a fresh new product when we come back in 2005. So the NHL understood what its strengths were. Yeah. They understood that the best version of the NHL was an extremely fast-paced game where you could let the talent shine through and you kept the fans engaged because you wanted them to never look away. So they did exactly that. They got rid of the two-line pass. They 
stopped allowing players to basically just mug each other on the ice so that the talented players didn't get beat up all year long and could actually do cool, awesome stuff. And it, it really did help, especially bring not just fans back, but bring in new fans because players started doing cool stuff and it looked super interesting on, on the rules side. It brought a sport again at the time that was the smallest of the four still is, but comparatively has grown quite a bit. And especially uh, for an NHL product or for a television product, I should say it really struggled to get quality stuff out there. Uh, It brought it up to a new level. They got a, at the time, what was a really good deal with NBC? Their next deal with NBC wasn't anywhere near as good, but that first one was quite good for the league, helped them out a lot, and and got them in front of a, a lot of new eyes that pushed things in a, a very good direction for them to really grow the game and show it to a larger audience. And I think you put it really well when you talked about Sometimes the old boys club doesn't know what's best for the new generation when it comes to the sport and you have to move your sport into the current times. If you want to continue generating those new fans and bringing in new audiences, the game and the players are the purest version of a sport. No matter, no matter what era it is, that is the pure sport. And then as you move up the chain to ownership and management, it gets Less pure, like, like God bless them. They they mean well, but they pollute things again. With with the 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 owners couldn't resist spending more money than yep. they had. Yep, right. They they couldn't resist yeah. doing that. A salary cap is protecting the owners from themselves. Really, that's what it is more than anything else. So, it, it was put in place to stabilize the league in more ways than one. Yes, you stop getting owners doing crazy things. You also limit the advantage that the rich owners have over the poor ones or that the big markets have over the small ones. And it gives a level of cost certainty. They also added a salary floor. So every NHL team goes into a year knowing that they're going to spend in exactly this range. They have to. They know what the max could be. They know what the min could be. And it's a lot easier from a business standpoint to set up a sports team like that. So, yeah, it it makes so much more sense. I think on the baseball side with with owners and management getting in the way, they've they've taken the players out of the game. It's it's now again with the shift. That's, you know, not natural. Again, you understand you go, oh, that's actually a good strategy. And then. With launch angle and say, well, you can't really hit through a wall of players, yeah. so you got to hit over it, and it like changes the game in a major way. And so the the owners and management need to to get out of that way. And sometimes you have to put set limitations on them. For the NHL, like I said, that was a salary cap that was you know allowing for smaller goalie pads was like eleven yeah. percent. They decreased the size on that, so you didn't have the Michelin Man situation <laughs> going on as much. What was said, and again, is something to think about. We've got a long way to go until you know the MLB season gets canceled. We're months away from it, really four months perhaps but you had some players who didn't come back like they retired yep. and they you didn't know is retiring it's similar to the i've said this before on the podcast with nolan arenado rockies fans didn't realize in 2019 that that was the last time they were going to see nolan in purple yep. at coors field because you had the pandemic and then he was immediately traded traded yep. before fans were allowed back and so scott stevens Ron Francis, Al McGinnis, Mark Messier, Felix Potvin, Adam yeah. Oates. I mean, virtually all Hall of Famers. 
And that was it. They were just... They don't get that last year, yeah. No, they don't get that curtain call. They don't get, get, get that goodbye. And baseball could have that too. Yeah, it definitely could. I really hope it doesn't. Um, I, I think the big thing here, from a from a fan perspective, other than just hoping that the sports come comes back, what you're really hoping for, is, and what the NHL lockout did very, very well, is they looked at the game and they said, how can we make this more fun to consume? And they did a great job of making the sport more fun to consume. Not just at the, oh, these are cool things that you can do in the sport. The moves they made, the things like a salary cap, things like revenue sharing that they ultimately ended up having, made a lot more parity in the league. At least in the immediate, every team felt like they could be a competitive hockey team. And look, after a couple of years, yes, you're still going to get bottom to top level teams. But the gap between those teams was significantly less than it was before. And that was, yeah, that was something that came out of this was that dynasties were essentially dead. Now yep. I know the Blackhawks kind of had their own there, but it's became incredibly hard to do. And what's weird is I've heard so many, I heard some people in baseball say like, Oh, we already have that now. And you've got big market teams like the Dodgers. Again, they've won one world series in the last 30 years and it was in a shortened season. So, yep. There's a lot of parity within baseball, and it, it has the most parity, really, if you research teams getting into the postseason. And then once you get into the playoffs, at that point, it's a crapshoot. I mean, it's similar to the NHL, where you get, you have eight seeds going to yep. the finals. And going if to you the get cup. in, you got a shot, for sure. Exactly. And so you might see some of the same teams over a five, six-year period getting into the postseason in the NHL, maybe similar to what baseball has, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee you know that, that championship where you're just dominating every single season from game one to the final game. So it, it does spread it out. And so baseball doesn't really even have that problem now where it needs that salary cap to do it. And if they go and expand the postseason from 10 to 12 teams and possibly even 14, that makes it even easier yep. for teams to sneak in and say, hey, we, we got in. Maybe it was as a wild card. We didn't win our division. Might, might sound familiar to some people <laughs> listening to this podcast. But you get in and, and it makes you feel good. Uh, it, it does give you a little bit of hope and, and lets you know you're you're kind of on the right track. And so, you know, that was definitely one of the benefits yeah. of, of the lockout and kind of sorting that situation out. Yeah, absolutely. It I think if you're looking for positives it's no one ever is gonna so associate a lockout with positives. But right. yeah. a opportunity to redefine the collective bargaining agreement for any sport is an opportunity to make the sport better and not just a little bit significantly better to modernize it, to bring it to new people and to give a bunch of opportunity. And I really think baseball is in a great position to do that again, as long as they handle it correctly, <laughs> you can't <laughs> botch it. When you botch it, you get a lot of bad press. We got a botch job. <laughs> we can't afford a botch job here. <laughs> No, we can't. So here, here might be my final question. And I like saying that because then usually I have two or three more follow-ups. <laughs> How the hell, Rudo, does the NHL have another lockout seven years later? Yeah. What the hell? So this, the second lockout was a lot more problematic. <laughs> the, the whole point was to like sort it. You go, wow, that was really bad, guys. Let's make sure we never do that again. And I think you under like that. That's again. That's part of the 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 issue. I think with 0405 was 
there was like what four or five ownership groups that yeah. were around in that 92 93 yeah you know a situation so you go all right there these are all new people that don't have the same memory but seven years later, it's the same crew it, that should have known. It, they didn't even make it to a second CBA. <laughs> the, the lockout CBA expired, and they're like, all right, we're locking it out again. What we're going back. Hell? And it, it's a tough situation because the, the second lockout, uh, many, many, many more people believe that it was on the owner's fault, not the players. Because, again, you looked at it at that point, and you're going, the NHL is the only league with a hard salary cap. The players in that league are making monumentally less than any of the other big four sports and without getting into too much detail the financial specifically of the nhl and how escrow works and the fact that the nhl players amount of the revenue compared to salaries was very much in question for a very long <laughs> time uh there was a lot more support from the players in the second lockout that's that's where I'll put that, and it's it's a never-ending conversation, right? Because at the end of the day, sports are a business, and everyone's going to want to get paid what they're worth, uh, especially a lot of what led to the second lockout is the wild success of the NHL from the lost season to the next lockout, and the NHL turned itself from a business that was losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year to one that is making a ton of money in that time. And the NHL players felt like they weren't getting their fair share. So, well, I would give a lot of that credit to the outdoor life network, but that's just me. Uh, look, you remember that OLN was the bomb. <laughs> all right. You, the hockey game ends and they turn on some guy chopping a tree down to set a world record. Absolutely here for it. I wish the OLN was still a thing. Wow. The, the only thing we did mention that, was a surprise that I didn't recall was that they canceled the NHL draft that year as well. Yep. Which is is kind of mind-boggling and I it makes me think like does would MLB do that? Now by the point in which the MLB draft usually goes on, which is interesting is because I just recently had an article that that went up on the dnvr.com all about four interesting draft prospects the Rockies should consider a guy who didn't get signed last year, one who's a son of a legendary Rockies player who they might take shortstop uh, out of Oklahoma. Got to read the article and check it out. But they, uh, the MLB hasn't decided if or when they're going to have the draft. Now they moved it last year to the all-star break in yeah. July, which we don't know if we'll get. So potentially they could do the draft before the season is killed or maybe they would just postpone. I mean, it's just an odd wrinkle because you could have still sent some of those players in the draft to minor league affiliates, couldn't you have? Or do those players immediately join the Players Association in the NHL? Uh, so Getting into the weeds on this a little there, sorry. Yeah, it's... <laughs> you don't need to cancel the draft, assuming yeah. you have a collective bargaining agreement at some point to do the draft under... Uh, the NHL ended up with a double rookie class because of the canceled season, which was a little bit weird, but ultimately didn't have that much effect. They just ended up having the draft uh, in July when they ratified their, their new agreement. Um, and it was weird, but as far as the drafted players, it didn't really change anything. Now the NHL is a, a rights driven league when it comes to the draft. So you can draft a player and you don't have to sign them immediately. Uh, so, you know, they, you have their rights in the NHL, but they can go do whatever the hell they want. So it, it didn't really change too much on the NHL side of stuff. Uh, obviously baseball, particularly with the 
wide branching minor league baseball system that they have in North America, things would probably work a little bit differently, but especially I know there's some interesting stuff about minor league baseball being talked about when it comes to the MLB and, you know, players basically making $0 that I, I am curious to see how, where they stand on the table with stuff like that, because I, I do know, for some players, that's kind of a sticking point that they want to see better stuff there. But, you know, I how much does the MLB CBA really even affect that? I don't know. Yeah, that that's curious uh, with, with the lockout going on, because ultimately that means there's an acknowledgement that there is no CBA. Because that's the other piece of this is that you you didn't, just like with the owners, didn't need to lock out the players. You say, oh, the CBA is expired, so we don't have a CBA. No, what happens is you say, well it just kind of rolls over until there's a new one. Yeah. So it never really truly expires. You, it's just, it's like the expiration date on your milk. You're like, look, you could still drink it a couple of days after it's not going to kill you. Yep. And, and if, when a CBA expires and this happened with the MLB, I believe because of the pandemic, they kind of said, ah, we'll, we'll just ratify it for one more year. It'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll deal with it later. Uh, NHL kind of did a similar thing. Um, you can do that. They could go tomorrow and say, you know yeah. what? Let's just ratify the, the previous CBA. We're good to go. But both sides feel strongly enough in this case that they don't want it to be the same. Yeah. So. And, and if they were to do that and put like a little exemption and say, hey, we'll, we'll kind of continue to use this for a little bit. We're going to put a couple of wrinkles in it as they did during pandemic. Yep. The power then shifts to the players and the players go on strike, which is what happened in 1994 because yep. the CBA had ended at the end of the 93 season. And again, that's that's what it's all about is the power and, and yep. this negotiating. And so we hope that it we don't I hope we don't have to have a part two of this. I hope not. Rudo to like to like talk us down and try to figure some things out, but it ended up working out in the long run, Absolutely. which maybe is bad news for MLB <laughs> yeah. in the grand scheme of things. I was, I don't know if I was trying to give fans some hope in this, just maybe give them a better understanding, but you begin to think, well, you know what? Maybe the owners are going to look at it and say, look, we lose this much amount of money. If, if we cancel the season, but we're going to gain X amount more back in the coming years. And so there is a greater good, to cancel it, which is scary to it, think about. I think the less critical take there is there's a very much an opportunity for them to have their cake and eat it too. They can get a lot of the things they want and they can get that done before you have to cancel an entire season. It really shouldn't be that complicated to get it done within a season because at the end of the day, they're having a business conversation, but make no mistake. The owners want their teams playing and the players want to play. So if you can just find some common ground, some concessions from both sides to make it work, and you really should be able to do that, you should be able to get some semblance of a season. Is it going to be a full season? I don't know. But something should get played, again, unless they go full NHL and completely screw up the conversation as they're trying to have it. Uh, right. Yeah, It. If the NHL Players Association especially was a little bit more flexible, they really should have gotten a deal done by the deadline that they had to not cancel the season. They just had some stubborn people, (laughs) we'll put it that way, that wouldn't budge when they probably should have. And MLB's got a deadline right now. February 28th is essentially when 
they would have to come to an agreement before we lose, you know, X games. Day. Sure. And so, but again, you can still work out a deal, you know, the third week in March, I, I predicted March 14th, kind of maybe more pessimistic than a lot of other people, but I had March 14th as the day the press release would go out that the two sides would come to an agreement because each side would say, no, they're trying to push. And yeah. I mean, and that's what the owners did when they said, Hey, here's a calendar, February 28th. <laughs> so just know you better yeah. agree with what we say on the 27th. Yeah. And so yeah, that's just the, that's the negotiating tactic. For so sure. we're just gonna have to wait and see, look, don't hate the player. <laughs> hate the owner. Is that, here, I, I'm here for that. It's it, always easy to hate the owners. That's what big pun said. I think hate, <laughs> don't hate the player. Hate. The owner. No one says Certainly that. don't hate the game. Don't hate the game. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Ruda, this has been great. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Avs coverage, man. I mean, I, what, what else is there to plug? I mean, you oh, probably, dude, yeah, if you're watching this, you probably are already familiar with Ruda, but what's, what's going on the Avs Avs side? coverage is easy right now. They're arguably the best team in hockey, certainly the best team in the West. So if you want to go watch a dope team do dope stuff every, every single day, the Avs are it. Of course, we got all sorts of coverage. Videos, written pieces, you name it. Audio, we got you all all covered on the ad side of stuff. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're new to hockey, never been a better time to get into it than right now in Colorado. So, I mean, technically, it, it might not be considered the bandwagon just yet. I I don't I embrace bandwagon fans. All right, bandwagon fans are just fans that haven't converted to full fans yet. So True. come join. It's but, gonna be great. But now you can get in and and feel like like oh these people look <laughs> at them. I didn't see them wearing. They started wearing Av stuff in April. Hey, you can start wearing it in February. That's okay. We won't tell. Just check out Rudo stuff. Get over that there. gram post now, and then you can be like, I've been here since day one. All right, y'all Absolutely. don't even know. You can count. And really, the the hardest. The biggest issue in the Avs world is just for for what you guys are doing is on DraftKings Sportsbook. Are they going to cover the spread? Oh, yeah, that's really pretty much the only question. I mean, they're so good. You have to get creative with your bets now. You have to start betting on some weird stuff to really find decent money lines. SGP so, man, same game. That parlays. helps. It helps. Bet on uh, McKinnon to score a goal and the Avs to win, and you usually get pretty good money. So. And top you to get a hit. The, the, there you all go. of those things. There are you all go. Now we're talking. Big yeah. payouts on the same games, man. This has been great. Big shout out to producer you here for getting this going for us, setting up the studio, doing big things over there on the rapid side. Follow Mr. Rudo over here at Nathan underscore Rudolph. That's his double underscore. All my names oh, were you're taken. Oh, you double, man. Yeah. The underscore after was taken. Anything with the word Rudo in it is taken. All right, I got to know, who <laughs> who are the other Nathan Rudolphs in the world? Uh, there's one that's a doctor. Okay. <laughs> that's your hear off of my yeah, just in case it i'm definitely not the best nathan Dr. rudolph in the rudolph. world that's clear uh there's there's a couple that uh, don't at least on twitter they don't use english okay so i don't really know what, what they language? do what? so there's one that uses japanese and there's one that uses a language that i'm just not going to guess because i okay. don't know but it's not english uh, and then there's a couple of people named Rudo that range from Spanish. There's another Japanese one, which is weird. Uh, all sorts of stuff out there. And and some whoever took DNVR Rudo on Twitter, why? What are you doing? You just stole my name. Like there's, I have no explanation for why that one is gone. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> you hear? If you hear, get, see if you can get your mic working because we were talking about this. Uh, the other day about people with the same name because you hear I had to use an underscore in his yeah. Twitter name even though he has his middle initial and I, I was we were talking about it, and so there's 
there's a, uh, a, a realtor in Las Vegas. I think he owns okay. PatrickLyons.com. Someone, unfortunately, did pass away in 9-11 named Ooh. Patrick Lyons. And I think there's a big fitness person on YouTube named Patrick Lyons. So, and I have a, uh, my father has a cousin and his son is also named Patrick Lyons. So basically I have a cousin named Patrick Lyons who's also red and freckly. He's even a little more fricklier than I am. We have, we have di different middle names. We're like, I guess, second cousins there. Uh, so there, there's a lot you hear. Well, who are the other yeah here Vasquez's? I have no idea. <laughs> you gotta do the research, man. You gotta know. Vasquez is pretty important. common last name, right? Yeah. Sure. It's like yes. Braden in Canada. Braden, Brendan, yeah. Bre Braden. I said that already. Any Aiden ends in Aiden. It's popular. Canada's got it. Caden, Aiden, Braden, Raiden, Jaden. Raiden? Yeah. What, like Mortal Kombat? Yeah. That's a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. We'll, we'll do a show sometime just looking at Western Hockey League from Canada's names and... There's right. genuinely like 50 kids like that. It's crazy. All right. Well, you heard it here from Ryu over here. He's, <laughs> he's letting us know. Hadouken. That's it. Uh, you follow all of our Rockies coverage at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. So for DNVR Sports, for you here, Ryu slash Rudo, I'm Patrick Lyons. And hey, you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then. <laughs>